Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced at the University of Minnesota, featuring conversations with prominent scholars, researchers, and other movers and shakers in the social world. This week, we thought we'd dig back into the Office Hours archives a bit and revisit an interview we did with Theda Scotchpole from 2009 on media, the internet, and civic participation in the 2008 election. A few years later, we're right in the middle of another election cycle, and questions about the impact of traditional media and online social media are as pertinent as ever. So we thought it'd be a good time to think back to 2009, when a younger Barack Obama was striding into office with the promise of ushering in a new post-partisan era of American political engagement. Ah, remember that? I wonder what Theta Scotchpole was thinking of all of this. Today on the podcast, Jesse and I are sitting with Theta Scotchpole from Harvard University to discuss civic engagement in the era of Obama and the internet. First of all, thank you, Theta, for joining us. It was my pleasure. Earlier today, you gave a talk here in Minnesota about how Obama's campaign last year reflected an upsurge in civic participation. What did you mean by that? Right. Well, this is a uh, a remarkable campaign that's occurred against the backdrop of previously about a half century of dropping off of participation in elections. And so this election is pretty interesting, not just because it brought Democrats to power, not just because uh, a very unusual candidate, an African-American, was elected president, but because it uh, marked uh, a continuation and a deepening of an upsurge of participation by young people and racial minorities. And the campaign itself was organized to emphasize, um, you know, the internet, but also a lot of local face-to-face organizing and across all 50 states. Uh, And that's uh, fascinating new development in American civic and political life, which is reminiscent of some of the strong points of American civic and political life traditionally. So, You brought up young people, um, and, and that's something I'm really interested in talking about, because a lot of this, the literature at least that I've seen about the civic participation rates and stuff, doesn't really talk to um, maybe sort of the popularity of social networking, especially online, whether it's, you know, your MySpace or Facebook or things like that, and maybe that is sort of a new form of civic participation. So I was wondering if you could kind of weigh in on that. And what well, you think. I think it is, and I mean, we saw that even in the organizing of the Obama campaign. They made use of a lot of these social networking sites specifically to reach young people. I think we don't know yet, not just about the amounts of participation. Clearly, young people are much more internet uh, comfortable, Uh, and uh, there is now some data that shows that. But we don't know whether that's going to be a socially equalizing force across educational and class groups, or whether it will in some ways deepen or continue earlier divides. And you can tell a story about the internet that goes either way. I mean, you can say it might broaden access, it might reduce barriers, it might make it possible for people of all educational class levels and racial groups to participate. Or you can say, well, you know, you got to have a computer, you've got to, you, if you're educated, it's easier to know how to use it and to what you want to use it for. So I don't think we know yet about the class side. So you're saying that different groups have different amounts of access towards the internet. So if the internet does become a dominant form or an important form of civic participation, um, there is a way in which that may perpetuate 
inequalities in society. And it might, although access now is spreading for young people, and uh, especially if we manage to spread high-speed internet access, and that's an if, um, that'll be less of a problem. Um, any new technology, and this is still relatively new, spreads from the top down, and it it's but it's spreading pretty deeply now. But we still don't know about using it, and 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 what for. And there is some research, for example, Marcus Pryor's research on post-broadcast democracy shows that once you move to a lot of choice and a lot of multiple channels of communication, it can actually increase stratification in politics because people who are very interested use those tools and those who aren't just tune out or do something um, uh, for fun. Now, in this election, we saw a fascinating uh, heightened role for comedy programs. And one of our best social commentators and in political interviews or viewers is John Stewart. And he's watched by the young. Um, so you approve, huh? Oh, I more than approve. I think he's super. <laughs> um, kind of as, as some backdrop of this, have these sort of civic participation rates really fluctuated over the course of American history or have they been relatively consistent and this late downturn been really notable? Um, and, and if so, what sort of makes this, this sort of latest uh, decline um, that people talk about really notable or, or really impactful? Well, there certainly have been ups and downs. I mean, we don't have survey data that's any good back any earlier than the 1960s, and even that's stretching it. Um, we do know that there was a steady decline in participation in membership-based um, activities, and my research on groups and the types of organizations stretches back to the beginning of America. And there's no question that if you're looking at the types of groups that are out there, and that's not the same thing as participation in them, but it's if they're not there, it's hard to participate in them. Mm -hmm. The types of groups definitely changed very markedly. After about a century of federated voluntary groups being typical, they collapsed and declined rapidly after 1960. So that is not a small change. It's an epical change. Well, we gained more representation for marginalized issues and marginalized people, but we lost uh, various contexts apart from churches that brought people together across class and occupational lines. And I think that's pretty uh, clear-cut. And, of course, that occurred at the same time that blue-collar unions were declining. So you could argue that there were just simply fewer organized venues where ordinary people had the ability to come together, period. Um, so if the backdrop is that there's been general decline in civic participation in the United States, even though we're having more groups participating than in the past, but you know traditional institutions um, like that you spoke of are, are declining, what, what, what was the significance of the Obama campaign in terms of its use of the Internet? Um, is this a new type of civic participation that we need to be thinking about now? I mean, I think the kinds of melding of new technologies of communication and uh, local face-to-face -face activity that the Obama campaign and before them some of the social conservatives did is promising. I don't think we're going to go back to the old forms of organization. That's just not going to happen. And there are many things about those old forms that were unappealing, like the gender segregation and the racial separation. Um, 
but if we can find ways to have some venues where people come together across class and occupational lines rather than having all of our participation channeled through our occupational life, I think that's a good thing. I was interested, you mentioned in your talk that we're coming to the point where very much the media is sort of privileging the shouters and the yellers in public discourse, um, and that might be kind of sort of rupturing the way public discourse happens. Um, but I guess, and maybe this is just my limited age perspective on this, but haven't, haven't the yellers and shouters always kind of been the privileged, um, the people that sort of climb to the loudest, or it, maybe what is it about today's landscape that's really different in that sense? In that oh, that cable news has to cover 24 hours a day, and they have to change the topic constantly, and, and they have to attract attention in a crowded universe of choices. So I think the yellers and shouters are much more prominent. Now, a lot of people are just ignoring that stuff, and um, I don't know quite what some of these internet websites are going to mean for um, news. Um, not clear. News is changing. Is that, maybe, is that maybe the bigger problem you see? Not necessarily that they're really strident or acerbic positions out there, but that the sort of really polarization just causes a lot of people to tune it all out? Well, it does have that them. effect. It does have that effect. Uh, or it just promotes no understanding of complex issues. Now, you know, I think media has to make things fun and interesting. But, I mean, I'll come back to The Daily Show. I mean, he's funny, but he conveys a lot of information, a lot of understanding of complex issues pretty quickly. Uh, whereas you turn to some of the cables and all they got is people saying just outrageous things in highly emotional and bashing ways. It's stupid. Why is John Stewart so popular? I mean... Is it, does he kind of portray some kind of cynicism that people have towards? He does play to that somewhat. But he has that sort of, so does Obama, that sort of cool but engaged attitude that young people seem to like. You know, that interview he did with Kramer was anything but cynical. He was criticizing media for having joined in the misleading of the public about what this, that old economic model was about. A Kramer, you know, was a fool to go on the program. I mean, you know, I mean, why did he do that? What did he think was going to happen? <laughs> I know, it was almost painful to watch him uh, squirm a little bit. Well, I mean, that followed a couple of days of going after Stewart. I mean, the first time Stewart went after him, he should have just shut up. Would have gone away. Uh... <laughs> um, just one last thing uh, from your talk today. You mentioned you're interested in seeing academics becoming more civically involved, even in terms of the research that they do. What do you think the current economic turmoil will mean to such enterprises? I can see that perhaps there's going to be increased public scrutiny over how um, social scientists are subsidized or um, how funding is distributed. Do you think possible changes uh, will mean limitations or perhaps even possibilities for academics to become quote-unquote more involved? Well, they're going to be both. I mean, we know it's going to be harder for people to get jobs, and I suppose we have to worry that that will reinforce narrow orthodoxies and specialties. But I think that uh, in the social sciences in particular, there may be a bigger premium on people who aren't overly specialized, who certainly are rigorously trained in one discipline and several methodologies, ideally, but who can uh, address important social or political issues, perhaps teaming up with people from other disciplines 
And it may be that colleges and universities are going to be looking for people who are kind of multivalent to hire, but because they'll be better teachers. Um, as for engaging broader public issues, I mean, I think interesting times often lead to interesting questions, and they kind of renovate the supply of questions that drives the social sciences. Um, they also challenge us because people will find us irrelevant if we're not able to say something, perhaps from a broad perspective on, uh, you know, I use historical perspective, but from some kind of broad perspective about some of the most pressing issues that we face. Um, so I'm hopeful, but I mean, I'm not Pollyanna. I know that there are going to be economic cutbacks, or already are. It's not an easy time to be getting a job right. coming out of graduate school. We have a president, by the way, who cites social research and who shows respect for it. So um, as the federal government looks to reorient its ways of involving, engaging economic and social problems, it will be looking for excellent research. Um, and uh, more than that, I mean, a period like this often is one where as long as social scientists are prepared to talk in plain, vivid English, uh, and not in insider jargon, uh, they may receive an audience of people who want to gain a broader perspective on what's possible, what the pitfalls are, what the issues are that we need to engage. The policymakers are somewhat more open to a broader perspective in periods of activism and crisis, and so is the public. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I guess if I could, we have to wrap up and get you on your way pretty quickly here, but just as a, as a sort of wrap-up question, I'm wondering about where uh, the future of your research is going to be going in, in looking at this sort of civic participation and these changes going on and, and what you think maybe, you know, maybe the important trends are going to be or what the really interesting questions left out there unanswered are. Well, I'm going to be keeping an eye on what happens with the Obama campaign and its aftermath, the Obama administration. But I may do some research on higher education and the development of the American higher education system across many universities. Um, that would be a separate area of research. Um, nevertheless, you know, I mean, I'm going to keep a close eye on what happens to civic and political participation in this period and probably look at what happens in some of the key policy areas that I've written about in the past, like healthcare reform. Well, thank you so much for taking time out your day to talk to us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. people. Hope you enjoyed this little flashback. By the way, you can have this wonderful time-bending experience anytime you'd like by going to the societypages.org slash office hours and checking out our archives. We've got a guest list right there in the sidebar so you can browse through all our past episodes with the many great guests we've had on the show. But don't worry, that list will keep growing because we have some new episodes heading your way very, very soon. <laughs>